0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. There's a verse in the Bible, something Jesus said. You know, Jesus said some really incredible things. If you've never read a lot of what Jesus said, I would encourage you to, to do that. You can read about you can read a lot of like actual words that Jesus said in in the Bible, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the gospels, or they're, they're actually historical accounts of Jesus' life. And maybe there's some of you here tonight who are still wondering if Jesus is real. You know, you, you can you can wonder if God's real, and there's still a lot of debate about whether or not God is real. But but even scholars, uh, even secular scholars recognize that Jesus actually lived and walked on this earth did you know that Like jesus was a real person and um he really rose from the grave he was in the he was in the in the ground three days dead and he he, he rose from the grave in fact it was it, it created such an uproar in um in jerusalem around that time that um, historians like Josephus and Pliny the Elder, you can can Google these guys, they weren't weren't Christians. They they didn't believe in Jesus, but they were historians. And so they wrote about Jesus, and they they wrote about the chaos that ensued after people uh, heard that Jesus rose from the grave. Um, and, And chaos ensued because they were concerned that people were actually going to Give control to someone beside the Roman government. And the Roman government didn't, I mean, they were the most powerful empire in, in the world. Can you imagine being the most powerful empire in the world and then giving that control up to a man who had just been on the scene for the last three and a half years? No, that would have been it would have been ridiculous. But that's exactly what, what was happening. And the, the the disciples and, and, and lots of other followers of Jesus they were they were spreading this this news this good news about Jesus and about his love uh, for us and, and about his sacrifice on the cross when he died for us they were spreading this news and, and some of the things that they were spreading were actual words that he said and, and I want to I tell you something that he said. He said, what does it benefit or what does it profit a person? if they gain the entire world, this is something Jesus actually said. He said, what does it profit a person if they gain the entire world, but they lose their own soul in the process? In other words, what would the benefit be if you were to live your entire life in complete control? You actually were able to choose who you wanted to marry, and that was exactly what happened. You were able to choose how many children, what they looked like, what their eye color was like, what their hair color was, whether or not they, could, uh, they had any, any, any um, uh, defects. You could choose all of that. You, you could determine exactly how much money you had. You could determine uh, where you lived, how long you lived there. You could determine everything about your life. Jesus said, what would the benefit of that be if in the end, you lost it all? And and, and let me tell you, if if Jesus isn't real and you control everything about your life now and then you die, guess what? What what, what happens to all that stuff? You lose it. It's it's gone anyway. It's all gone. And Jesus said, listen, listen, This is is wise. What is it going to profit a person if they gain all of that? But they forfeit an eternity with me. I mean, think about your life. How long are you going to live on this earth? 70, 80, 90 years maybe? When I was a kid, my mom and dad would take my brothers and I to nursing homes every Sunday. Every Sunday after church, we'd drive to a nursing home and we would visit the elderly. Oftentimes, these elderly didn't have family that would come visit them. So my family took it upon ourselves to be their family. We would go, and we would visit, and uh, we would sing songs to them, or we would give them fruit if that was allowed, and we would just hang out. And, And I remember this one lady, Isabel, she was 113 years old, 113. She was an old, old lady, and she didn't know Christ. She was, she was angry at God. She might, might have even said that she hated God. But every day or every Sunday, my family would visit Isabel. And before she died, Isabel trusted Christ. And you know what she said to my mom before she died? She said, Ange, that's my mom's name, Angela. She said, Ange. I wish I hadn't wasted all these years. And my mom said, that may be true, Miss Izzy, that's what we called her. That may be true, Miss Izzy, but you have an eternity of joy with Jesus waiting for you right now. And it's true. And it could be true for you. And the question is, how long are you going to wait? Another year, you may not have another year. Another day, you may not have another day. Another two years, ten years. What would it profit you to control the rest of this week, or the rest of this year, or the rest of your high school career, or the rest of? your college career, or the rest of your life? What would it profit if in the process you lost the only thing that really mattered, a relationship with Jesus? Jesus also said some strange things. He said something like this that didn't seem to really make a whole lot of sense. He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. In other words, if you try to control every aspect of your life you're going to experience more and more chaos. You're going to experience more and more out-of-control moments. But the way to find your life is to give it to Jesus. And that's what we want to challenge you to do tonight. We want to challenge you to give your life to Jesus because he loves you. It's not like you're you're giving your life to a slave owner who's going to crack the whip and, and kick you every time you, you make a mistake. No, that's not the kind of that's not the kind of father God is. He, you know, He's a gracious father. All the time, people ask me. They say, Pastor, what if I make the wrong choice? Is God going to be mad at me? No, He's not going to be mad at you. He's He's going to He's going to bring you back. He's going to direct you. There may be some instruction. There may be some discipline. But like good parents discipline their children, right? And what kind of parent would I be if I, if I let my children talk to their mother any way that they wanted to talk to her? Would I be a good dad? No. I've got to discipline them and train them and teach them how to be polite and how to, how to live a, a life that, that treats others well. That's what God wants for us. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. Maybe you've seen the movie The Greatest Showman. Have you, have you seen the movie The Greatest Showman? Like so many of us, PT Barnum starts off with really good intentions, and man, if anybody could control his life, uh, he could. He was doing a great job at it, and he didn't have a whole lot going for him. By the way, he was mistreated as a child. Uh, his parents were were not around. He grew up kind of an orphan on the streets, and and. Due to you know kind of the struggle of of the class disparity, he was not in the the upper class, and they didn't really have a middle class. He was he was an outcast. But he, this you know, especially in the movie, they kind of show this rags to riches story where he rose to fame, and he creates this circus or a show as a place for people to belong. And you know, at the beginning of the movie, you, you see you know, just kind of the compassion in his heart, right? You see, he takes people that other people have written off and he, he does something incredible. But he he, he kind of forgets how to love, right? He, he, he loses himself. He's still in control, but he loses himself in, in the process. He, he kind of gets wrapped up in, in, in the the wealth, the the honor, the, the, the public recognition, and he he kinda lets his values of loyalty, respect, friendship, honor, devotion, he, he lets those values just kind of fall to the wayside in favor of, of the money, of the prestige, of the recognition. As things unfold in, in the film, you see that he he feels as if everything's in control. Even at one point uh, you'll see in this in this video clip when when everything was um, he lost he lost the show, it burned up, he still felt like he was in control. He thought, "You know what? it's okay because I've still got some other things going for me." And then if you watch this video clip, you'll see what what happens. He didn't have as much going for him as as he thought. Come to gloat. I wouldn't. They caught the thugs who started the fire. I thought you'd like to know. I never liked your show, but I always thought the people did. They did. They do. Mind you, I wouldn't call it art. Uh, of course not. But, putting folks of all kinds on stage with you, all colors, shapes, sizes, presenting them as equals, or another critic might have even called it a celebration of humanity. I would have liked that. Well I hope you'll rebuild. Mm. Thank God for Jimmy's tour we can we can borrow off the profits we'll find. You don't know. Mm. This is where it all kind of begins to unravel for him. He realizes he's not in control. Charity? Oh God, Charity. I am... I don't want to talk to you. Nothing happened. This is ridiculous. Nothing happened. It's on the cover of every paper in New York. Because she orchestrated the photo, I'm not in love with her. Of course you're not. Not with her. Not with me. Not with anyone. Just you and your show. What are you doing? I'm going home. This is your home? The bank. They're evicting us. Why didn't you ask me before? I would have said yes. I never minded the risk, but we always did it together. Lost his home, lost his wife, lost his show, lost everything. A.W. Tozer said, the reason why many people are still troubled, still making little forward progress, is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. And these are kind of some of the... Um, this describes some of the upside-down things that Jesus said. Like in Matthew chapter 5... If you haven't read there before, I'd encourage you to read there. Tonight you're gonna to have some time to get alone with God. And I'd encourage you if you have a Bible um, to, to look at this passage because man, it is crazy. And, and Jesus tells us how to be happy. It isn't really that what we want? We want to be happy. Do you want to nod your heads if you want to be happy? We want to be happy. And Jesus is telling us how to be happy, but it's it's not by being in control of everything. Jesus said, Happy are those who realize their need for Him. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. H- happy are those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. So, the, so the it, when when you put yourself, when you humble yourself, Jesus said you, you'll actually be exalted. It's it's an up it's a backwards kind of way of thinking. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for what's right for they will be satisfied. Happy are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Happy are those when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you. Be happy about it. Be very happy about it. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Now, you can try to control your life, and you might even have some degree of success. But like Barnum, eventually you'll lose it all. There's a story, John chapter 5, that I want to read you in the next few minutes. It kind of shows us that when we're helpless, when we admit that we're helpless, when we're helpless and we know it, that's actually the best position that we can be in. That's the kind of position where we can be helped by Jesus. So I just want to read this to you. In John chapter 5, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the sheep gate, they, they had named all the, all the gates into this to enter the city, and inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda. There had five covered porches around it. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. Just think about that for a second. Crowds of sick people. Just you just take your eyes and peruse the room, okay? Just look around the room. You don't know everything about everyone in each one of these seats but do you think that everyone in each one of these seats has ever been hurt? Do you think that every person in every one of these seats, do you think they've ever hurt somebody else? Do you think they've they've ever messed up big time? Maybe they've disappointed a parent. Maybe they've disappointed a teacher. Maybe they've disappointed themselves. Look around the room. Do you think there's at least one person who've experienced betrayal, rejection, abandonment? Yeah. No different here. There's crowds of sick people. Do you know that there's a crowd of sick people in this room? Did you know that? You, me, Taco, all your counselors, we're all messed up. Counselors, are we messed up or what? Man, we, we are messed up. Messed up. The difference is, some of us in this room recognize how messed up we are. And this is what's happening here in this story. One of the men lying there has been sick for 38 years. Everyone say 38, four decades. This guy had been lying in the same place for four decades. You guys are falling asleep sitting here for 30 minutes, right? He'd been sitting there sick for four decades. No one had helped him. We don't know if anyone else had ever offered to help him. All we know is that he's he's been messed up for 40 years. And then Jesus comes onto the scene, and Jesus looks at him, when Jesus saw him and he knew he had been ill for a long time, by the way, Jesus knows that you're messed up. He knows that you're sick. He knows that sin is ravaging your life. He knows that your, your emotions get the best of you. He knows that you, 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 you've experienced some things that, that no one should have ever had to experience. He knows that. And that's that's exactly why he came. Because that's not what he intended. That wasn't his design. But sin crept in, and we live in a fallen kingdom. When Jesus saw him, he went up to him, and he asked this man such an interesting question. Jesus went up to this man, and he said, would you like to get well? Isn't that an interesting question? Like, Have you ever been sick have you ever been sick do you like being sick do you like having the flu when I was an intern a couple weeks into the internship we were learning how to 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 set up the, the, the high ropes course and the adventure swing and all of that and one of the, the full-time staff uh, guys, he said, hey, uh, we're going to race down to the bottom of the hill. First one down gets to choose dinner tonight. So everyone started running down the, down the path. And I thought it would be awesome to just go off the path, do my own thing, create my own path right through the woods. Broke both my ankles. Yeah. Intern, excited, ready for the year. Couldn't wait for what was going to happen. Ankles, Boom. In the hospital. I didn't like it very much. If Jesus showed up in my house and said, Hey, Aaron, would you like me to fix your ankles? You know what I would have said? Heck yes. Please. I couldn't walk for six weeks. Martha, the sweetheart that she was, we weren't even dating at that point. She would she would make me breakfast. Isn't she awesome? This man, Jesus said, "Do you want to get well?" And look 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 what look what this guy says to Jesus. I mean, this is a simple yes or no question, right? Would you like to get well? Yes or no, right? I mean, when I was sick as a kid, I'd stay home from school. My mom says, "Are you feeling better?" And I, I "No, mom, I'm not." Right, especially if I had like homework due. Nope, not, not better. One more day, I tried to wait till Friday. Oh, I'm better now. It's the weekend. Look what the man said. He didn't say yes, he didn't say no. He said, I can't. He said, I can't. Now, that's really interesting. I have a, a friend who's a therapist and uh, she said she hears this all the time when people come in and she's counseling them they they always say i can't i can't change i can't do this i can't do that and she said what she often likes to encourage them to say is is not i can't but i won't right that they would take responsibility for for their choice but 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 the, for for whatever case this man is saying i i can't get there and then he has some excuses he said there's no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up Somebody else always gets in the way. Somebody else always gets there in front of me. The pool that he was talking about was uh, a pool that, that was said to, to perform miracles, and an angel would come down, and you can kind of do some study on that. But, but whatever the case, um, these people believed that there was healing power in this pool, and this man said, I, I couldn't get there. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk but here's a question i want you to consider what what would possibly keep somebody from wanting to get well like what would possibly keep somebody you you put put your hands down just think about it because i want you to think about this question when you go outside in a few minutes what's keeping you from getting well what's keeping you from giving up control I talked to a lot of you this week, and several of you said, um, "You know, I, I just I can't do this because." And 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 and, and i uh, you know you know what I'm thinking like, they, they, you still haven't given up complete control. When you give up control to Jesus, there's no because anymore. There's just Him. Like there, there's there's just Him, His love for you, His plan for you, His purpose for you. What could possibly keep someone from wanting to get well? There's Three possibilities. We're afraid of what might change. I mean, if, if if you trusted Christ this week or tonight, if you gave Jesus control of your life, maybe your parents won't approve of that. Are you afraid of that change? Or maybe maybe the choices that you've been making at school, maybe maybe those will have to change a little bit. Maybe you're just comfortable in your life, right? I mean, th- this man, he didn't say yes or no. He was just like, you know what? This is all I know. This is my home. I've been sleeping on this mat for 40 years. I don't, I don't, know, I, I, I don't know what the future is going to be like if I can walk. I don't know if I can get a job. I don't, I don't know if any, anyone would hire me. I don't know how I'm going to, to eat. At least now, I'm, 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 I'm sleeping on this mat. People feel sorry for me, and they're just giving me food every day. But what, what if I could? what if I was healed? I don't know if I could survive. He's still trying to control stuff, right? But what about you? Are you afraid of what might change if you let Jesus control your life? Here is another reason you, you might not want to get well. You are in denial. You, you won't recognize reality. Maybe 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 we don't think that we're sick. Maybe maybe we we've been you know sitting on this mat for so long that we think that that's how it's supposed to be. Maybe you are so used to being so self centered and so selfish that 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 you think that. That nothing's wrong with you, that, that there's no there's no sin issue that needs to be remedied in your life, that you've got this under control. Are you in denial about something in your life, about the reality, about the way things are? Jesus says that you are a sinner in need of a savior. You need him to rescue you. I can't. Maybe, maybe you're too ashamed. Maybe you feel too messed up. Maybe that's why you don't want to get well. That was a case for me. Man, I I I had done some really stupid things. You already know that I was kicked out of high school when I was sixteen. My brothers, man, God just gave them like extra dose of grace because they were my best friends, still are my best friends but I did everything I could to push them away. My mom and my dad, I told you that my mom would pray for me 2, 2 2.30 in the morning. I'd see her kneeling at my bed praying that God would take control of my life. And I did everything I could to hurt her. I called her names. I I I said that her and my dad were stupid for giving up their life. You know, my dad is a nuclear physicist. Yeah, he taught nuclear power to military officers coming out of the Naval Academy. He taught them how to run a nuclear powered submarine, yet, he gave all of that up to be a pastor. All my brothers are over six feet tall. I'm the third in line. My youngest brother was taller than me before I was in the fifth grade. Yeah, some might have called me the ugly duckling, the runt of the litter. That was me. And we didn't have money to buy new clothes. So I wore hand me downs. How do you think a little four foot six 10th grader looked in a six foot two guy's hand me downs? Yeah, (laughs) not cool. I can tell you that much. I didn't want to be like my parents. I don't want to give up the ability to make money, to give my children things that I was never able to have. Anytime we had something cool like video games, it was because someone in our church gave it to us. There There were times growing up that we didn't even have enough money to buy food. Maybe there's someone in here that can relate to that, but, 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 but probably not. In America, this, this happens. We lived in North Carolina when I was growing up, and we literally fished for food, for dinner. And rem- remember one night, all we had was two potatoes in the house. My mom was on the phone with her mom just crying just upset because she couldn't feed her four boys. And my dad, he he came into the living room. He grabbed us and he said, hey, we're going fishing. We need to find some food. So that's what we did. The Lord was gracious to us that night. We caught two big bass. They're about this big. (laughs) They were big enough for us to, to have a good dinner. My mom cut up those potatoes and we shared them. And so for many several years in my m- middle school and high school career, I was, I was doing my own thing. When I was 14, I started working at Chick-fil-A when I was yeah, in the wintertime, and then I worked in the nurseries, uh, not, not a child's nursery, but a landscaping nursery through the summers, started earning money. Didn't want to end up like my parents. And so it's, I'd always throw that in their face. And when things really hit rock bottom for me, didn't really have a lot of places to go. or um, I, I wasn't sure if I could go back home. I wasn't sure if I could ask God to forgive me. I wasn't sure if my parents would forgive me. I wasn't sure if my brothers would accept me as their friend again. And I remember, Taka, if you can come back up, I want you to start playing that song again that you sang earlier. I remember um, one night. I snuck out of the house. Um, I, I told my parents I was going to a friend's house who, whom they approved of, and I didn't go to that friend's house. I went to another friend's house. And we, we got into my car, and there were two girls in the back seat. We started driving. We went to, uh, to another of our friend's house, and we were hanging out my dad figured out where I was and made the phone calls and he figured out where I was. And so his, my friend's mom came downstairs and said, Hey, your dad is on his way over here. So you need to stay put. And that's exactly what we didn't do. We got into my vehicle. We started driving through the curvy roads of West Virginia and I was speeding get pulled over The police officer knew my dad went to our church The Joys of Living in a small town So my dad shows up he grabs me takes me home um, the other parents get their kids the next day uh, he was he was the head teacher of a of the private school where we went and he, he called in. He said, I'm not going to make it today. Um, I'm going to to be with Aaron. And so he puts me in the car. And he looks at me and he said, Aaron, your mom and I, we don't know what else to do with you or for you. We, we've prayed about it. And we just, we've decided that we can't do anything else for you. So I think the best thing is to take you to the Covington boys home. It was about three hours away from our house. And I was like, good. I don't want to be here anymore. Take me there. Just anything to get me away from you, from my mom, from my brothers, from church. I don't want to, I knew that Covington boys home, it wasn't a Christian boys home. So I was happy. I didn't want to have anything to do with church, with God. I said, take me there. So we're driving along, uh, West Virginia roads, West Virginia highways, and uh, we keep passing all of these tractor trailers and I'm looking at them. We didn't say a word for almost three hours and we, we pull off the exit to where the boys home was and my dad pulls into a, um, a restaurant, uh, one of my favorite restaurants growing up uh, called Shoney's. Anyone ever hear of a Shoney's? Um, I don't know if they're still around, but they had breakfast buffets. And my family, we didn't go out to eat at, at all because we just didn't have the money to do that. But my dad pulled into a Shoney's and I said, What are we doing? I thought we were going to a boys' home. And he said, I know this is your favorite breakfast. I want you to get anything that you want. And that was unusual, too, because normally it was like, you've got to choose this from this price range, and, and you can only, like, and when we went to Shoney's, it was always a buffet because that was, we could get the most for our money that way. But my dad, he pulled out the menu. He's like, you choose whatever you want. And I'm like, "Like, okay, I can stick it to my dad. I know he doesn't have any money. So I, 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 was, I, I was like, I'm going to order this and this and this. And I looked at him, and, and I'm, I'm getting all of this. And my dad was like, okay, that's fine. So the, the waitress came and I just got the buffet. I wasn't brave enough or whatever. I just decided not to. And um, we sit down, we get our place. we sit down and I look at my dad and I said the first thing that I'd said to him before, you know, since we left home. And I said, dad, I said, why don't you just let me go? Like, why do you mom care so much? Why don't you just leave me here at this restaurant and, and let me do my own thing? And my dad reached his hand over across the table. My dad's not a super, you know, huggy-feely guy. Um, he always told my brothers and I he loved us. But, like, he's not a super affectionate guy in that sense. But, but my dad put his hand on my hand. And he said, son... your mom and I will never stop pursuing you. And I I said, dad, I don't want you to pursue me. I don't want you to chase me. I don't want you to come back and get me. I don't, I just want you to leave me here and let me go. And my dad had his hand on my hands and he said, son, I will never let you go. And something clicked inside my heart in that moment. And I had heard all the Bible stories for 16 years. I had heard most of everything Jesus had said I knew about God's unconditional love for me, but in that moment when my dad had his hand on my hand and he said, I will not let you go, it was as if I was hearing for the first time the creator of the universe saying to me, Aaron Harding, I will never stop chasing after your heart. I will never stop pursuing you. I am in relentless pursuit of you. So I looked at my dad and I said, Can we go home now? And my dad literally picked up a 16 year old boy in his arms. 16 year old boy, we looked like morons walking out of that restaurant. My dad, I was sobbing like a baby. My dad had me in his arms and he he puts me in the seat like I was a toddler. He puts me in the seat of the car. He shut the door gently. We didn't say another word. And you know, things weren't perfect. I I still, there, there were still many, many struggles after that day, but that was the turning point for me. That was the moment when, when I surrendered, not just to my earthly parents, but to my father. Once and for all, I was like, God, I don't know, I, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know, you know what, what, what path this is going to take me on. I don't even know what I have to do right now. All I know is that I am so exhausted of being in control of my own life. And I just want you to take control. And that's the invitation that God has given you tonight. I want to read these lyrics to you from The Greatest Showman. They should be on the screen. He gets to this point of surrender, kind of like I did. And he said, I saw the sun kind of just begin to dim. I felt that winter wind blow cold, things were rough man who learns who's there for him when the glitter fades and walls won't hold. The wall, see, the walls were crumbling, crumbling in. This, this was his chaotic moment. This was his turning point. Because from then, rubble, what remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, there's more I gained because it led me back to you. Look at this from now on. These eyes will not be blinded by the light. This was the this was the illusion, the light of being in control. My eyes aren't gonna be blinded by that lie anymore. From now on, what's waited for tomorrow starts tonight. See, I know a lot of you you've been waiting. You've just been waiting. Well tomorrow I'll tomorrow I'll think about it. Tomorrow I'll I'll think about Jesus. Tomorrow I'll give Jesus control. No, no, no what's waited for tomorrow starts tonight and we will come back home our Father will pick us up put us in the car and we will come back home and we will come back home again the Bible says that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ You will be saved. You will be rescued. You will be given freedom. Freedom from control. You You don't have to try anymore. I know there's somebody in here. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Close your eyes for a moment. Everybody close your eyes. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest. No one's looking around. Except your counselors, except me Because I, w- I want your counselors to know So that they can have a conversation with you So this is going to take a little bit of courage on your part But but here's the question That I want you to answer and, and I want you to answer it in the way of just slipping up your hand This isn't like a churchy invitation This isn't like that I just want you to be honest and slip up your hand When I ask you this question Have you ever Have you ever given up control? Don't slip up your hand yet. Have you ever given up control of your life to Jesus? Don't slip up your hand yet. Have you ever given up control of your life to Jesus? Have you ever said, Jesus, I need you? Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. Have you ever said that? Think about that. Because here's the question that I want you to, to answer by slipping up your hand. Do you want to give control of your life over to Jesus? Do you want Jesus? Just slip your hand up. Do you want Jesus to take control of your life? All over the room, just slip your hand up. Do you want, do you want Jesus to come into your life to save you from your sin, from your messed up way of living, from your messed up way of thinking, from your messed up way of behaving? Do you want Jesus to come into your life? Counselors, just kind of look around and and just Just put these faces in your mind so that you can engage with them. You can put your hands down. Taco's going to give you some instructions about what he wants you to do in the next five or 10 minutes. He's going to give you an opportunity because we don't want you to make an emotional decision. You know, this isn't about making an emotional decision. This is about you deciding who's going to be in charge. Are you going to be in charge? Are you going to let your Father, your Heavenly Father, are you going to let Jesus be in charge from